3: Hello and welcome back to episode two of the Naked Professor's Roundtable Conversation with three, oh, I mean I'm going to use the word incredible but inspiring, very open, vulnerable men. Uh, we're joined by Michael Maisie, Josh Connolly and Pat oh, Like this, I feel like these are the conversations I was I was born to have. Um, I just loved sitting in this space with these guys and last week if you tuned in you would have heard us just start with a really open simple question but really meaning it of asking how the guys were how are you and you know you (laughs) the answer is not a simple yeah i'm fine thanks as you're as you're here which is is what i'm after you know i'm trying to get to the bottom of people's truths and you really heard that from from all of us and for me just sitting in that space is beautiful powerful this week we moved it on. I went into the story of how everyone got to where they are now. We all work as, as coaches in some form, some capacity. Coaches, mentors, Michael's written a book, Pat's written three books. I'm sure a book is on its way for Josh as well. So kind of thought leaders in, in the spaces that we're, that we're in. And the story is not just a plain simple one that, you know, all of us grew up just knowing what we know and it just flowed. You know, there's always a backstory. I, f- I often say that every coach has a story as to why they became a coach. Um, so this week I tune in to, to the stories behind the guys that why, why they've ended up being where they are, what made them want to learn to grow. So really powerful stories, and of course I share my own as well, which as I said in the, in the recording, this, this time I probably felt as empowered as I ever have to share because of the raw truthfulness of the other guys first. So really beautiful, very open, very vulnerable, and I hope that this gives you a taste there that, you know, wherever you're at, wherever you're at in life, that could just be the beginning of your story. You know, you are not stuck there. If you're brave enough to listen, to really listen in to what, what's going on, then who knows where you can go. And as you'll hear from these guys, you know, anything is possible. Without further ado, I'll hand you over to Michael, Josh and Pat. I'll
4: go first, just so the listeners know the chronological order of who's speaking. Ben, Michael, Josh, Pat. So what led me to doing the work initially was I was an alcoholic and a drug addict who spent most of my teenage years in locked up in Fremont young offenders who attempted to take his own life in his prison cell detoxing from heroin addiction and was just found by a prison officer whilst hanging there unconscious that was like my sort of rock bottom where i decided something's got to change so it was pain, really. It was pain and absolutely battering myself that led me to trying to do something different. And then, you know, when I got sober, I sort of, the first two years of my recovery, I sort of had it in my head, this this idea that because alcohol and drugs have gone now and I'm sober, I should be happy. You should be happy all the time. And didn't allow myself to feel any negative emotions i I wouldn't say i didn't allow myself i would try and suppress them and tell myself well you've got nothing to be unhappy about look at you're not you're sober you're this you're that you should be happy joyous, and free every day completely unrealistic for a human being who has a full range of human emotions to only allow him to feel joy (laughs) you know and then I, about two years sober, I started thinking, okay, there's got to be more to this. So then I attended a, uh, an organization called ClearMind International. Over the course of about four or five years, done all their workshops, done training with them. But the real, the real bit of work for me was when I stumbled across the Mankind Project and the workings of Carl Jung and the Human Shadow where you got to understand the 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 male archetypes and understand all the different aspects of your personality that's where it really made sense to me that's where everything came together because a lot of people would say oh i've got the you've got the ego and you've got you've got a good angel or a bad angel you've got the ego or your heart and for me it was always like there's more than two voices in my head there's like there's a whole load of voices like chatting having a conversation and um and 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 the archetypes broke it up. They had four, you got four archetypes: the the warrior, the lover, the magician, and the king. But each of them can be inflated or deflated at any time. So you know, potentially, you've got twelve voices in your head. And I'm like, now that makes sense. Sometimes I have about twelve people in my head all arguing with each other. Um, you know. So when I stumbled across that, I was like, great, okay. You know, and even sharing that now, I'm aware people might think, "Geez, Michael's got twelve voices; that he's a lunatic," and and people probably would. But but the truth is, is that when I fully welcome them in, without shaming them, it gave me a much better understanding on what is driving my decisions and choices choices in life. And that was like the holy grail for me. You know, okay. I'm not putting any of these voices into any shame. I'm welcoming all of them. And let's hear more from the voices that I try to suppress. Let's hear. Okay, what is it you're going to say? What is it you're trying to shout? Where did that start? Where did that theme start from? And, and nine times out of 10, it started from this little boy who back in his childhood made a decision that this universe isn't a friendly place. And I build up these walls around my heart and I stop letting people in and I try and keep him safe. But I get to an adult and my wife wants to break down the walls around my heart and I don't want to let her in. And that causes me pain. And then in the middle of that is an opportunity for growth. Because you've got to trust and you got to love and you've got to let them walls down. As painful as it's been, that's been the real growth for me is can I let the walls down around my heart to let people in? And the first person was my wife, and then now I'm able to do it in spaces like this, with men like yourselves. Trust that men like yourselves, I'm gonna get vulnerable with you guys here, and you're not gonna call me a pussy, or you're not gonna try and bully me. You're gonna hear me and welcome me without judgment. And that for me is beautiful. I feel emotional saying it, it's beautiful. It's something I never had in prison. If you showed any vulnerability, you became a victim of bullying in prison. So being able to just show my heart and be open and honest here is, is really quite special for me. Thank you. Thanks, that's powerful. And can I just say,
5: like, you know, what I take from what you've said at the end, particularly the kind of way that you sort of brought everything together, is the need for that space as well. I think we have to be really careful in the way that we talk about self-help, self-healing, self-work because the narrative often gets pushed that this is something that you have to do alone. Yeah. That you have to learn to love yourself by yourself. That's not what I heard from you, Michael there. Yeah. I, I heard that you had to learn to let people in, to love you, to help you, to love you, you know, to love yourself back to loving yourself. Yeah. and I just, I think that's really important. The one thing I found, um, is that one of my issues was the belief that I needed to be able to do everything on my own. And I and I do think that um, it's a problem because I think in the sort of mental health space, if, if we're gonna call it that, it, it's sometimes promoted that nobody, who's gonna love you if you don't love yourself? And I was like, if that's the case, then I'll, there's no game for me because there's days when I wake up when I can't love myself. They're still there, they still happen. And I guess to, you know, to, to bring it back to to Ben's original question, mine and Michael's story is very similar in, um, you know, I, I had a problem with alcohol and drugs. I was an alcoholic drug addict, you know, from a very young age, really. People often ask me, when did your healing journey start? And the answer is probably when I smoked cannabis, which was the first drug that I took. That was the first time I tried to regulate the ways that I felt, yeah. That was the first time I took things into my own hands and said, let me try and fix this. Um, then I quickly found alcohol and, and other drugs, but alcohol predominantly main, remained the one for me that throughout my life. Um, I say throughout my life, I think in my teenage years, I, I think alcohol saved my life. Um, I think the ways that I felt and not being able to find anything else, um, I drank when I felt, you know, I drank, I look back at my childhood and think it got good when I started drinking, right? But then slowly, particularly as I reached adulthood and I realized that I needed, you know, to show up to certain things in my life, alcohol and drugs quickly took all that away from me very, very quickly. Um, And then, you know, by the time I was 24 years old, I had four children, my life was a mess. uh, And I'm, you know, I decided that maybe alcohol was my problem and I stopped drinking. My truth is my life didn't get better when I stopped drinking. My life got a hell of a lot worse at the beginning. That's just my truth. Yeah. I didn't put down the drink and go, wow, this... Actually, I did put down the drink and go, wow, this is amazing. That's what I did because everyone else was doing it. But my truth is my life got awful. I, I hated myself and I couldn't blame drink and drugs now. So I wasn't doing it. I couldn't deal with the ways that I felt. I couldn't deal with my emotions. And when I planned to take my own life and I, you know, I didn't get... To to that stage that Michael got to, but I was there in my head. I mean, and I was very at peace with it. Um, It wasn't then about necessarily wanting the pain to end. It was the belief that my existence was a burden on everybody else. And the right manly thing to do was to rid myself from their lives. And so I planned to take my own life. Fortunately for me, I went to see my children and because I knew I was going to die, I was going to say goodbye. The past became irrelevant. I was no longer worried about the future. And for the first time ever in my life, I was present with my kids in a way that I'd never experienced. And that's why I changed my mind. But more importantly, I gained the idea that look, what was killing me was coming from inside of me. It wasn't that conscious. Actually, what I thought is, if I can recreate this weekend more often, then I won't have to kill myself because that was all right, yeah? Uh, I just d- didn't know how I was gonna recreate that weekend. My reality over the sort of eight years that have followed that has been that the opportunities to create exactly how I felt in that weekend have been relatively fleeting a lot of the time. I still find it very difficult to be present. I have to work really hard at that stuff. Um, My addictions are predominantly thoughts and things in my mind, anything to have to stop me slowing down in that moment to be present and the 12 voices coming out to play my natural reaction is to run away and silence them. Um, I I looked at similar work. Um, The the, the work that I really like is from a guy called Richard Schwartz, who talks about the internal family systems, which is basically the same concept. It's the concept that we have these different parts. and, And what happens is they become polarized. But if I can find out, rather than trying to silence them, if I can find out why they've become polarized, I will always trace it back to a part of myself trying to protect myself. Even the part that says to me, don't do this, Josh. You're a waste of space. You're rubbish at this, yeah? Is a part of me that thinks I need to tell myself that because if we go and do this, we're gonna get hurt. And I lived a life of being hurt when I was younger. So of course I gained that narrative. And of course those parts of myself try to protect me in those ways. But I'm no longer a defensive, defenseless child. And I've lived a lot of my adult life as if I am. So I don't, uh, I don't trust people. Um, and, you know, look, I built up the kind of the, the, the kind of macho, manly side of me, that defensiveness, the, my resting face was an angry one. You know, let's have a fight. I'm terrified of confrontation, by the way, absolutely terrified of confrontation. Grew up fighting all of the time, right? Um, and I think the one thing that I try to maintain now more than anything is allowing myself to wake up every morning with the firm belief that I could be wrong about everything that I currently believe. Because I can tell you my experience over the, since I stopped drinking, which has been nearly nine years now, in that nine years, the most painful times have been when I've held on to a concept, belief, or an ideal for too long when there's a part of me that knows it's no longer serving me. But I've sang it from the rooftop so loud and told everybody else that they should be doing it this way because this is the way it works. And inside of me, I think I don't believe it anymore and I've got to tell everyone. So, so that series of coming out, I call it, coming out to everyone and going, I don't believe anything that I told you was the reality yesterday. I think I spent the first five years trying to find the answer, wanting to know the answer. And then the last few years, finding the freedom in knowing that I know nothing at all. And, you know, I don't know about anyone, I'll finish my sentence, but I, I, I do a lot of reading. Yeah. I do think there's a problem with people like us. There's a guy called John Bradshaw who says, people like us, there's two doorways. One goes to heaven. The other one is the doorway to learn about heaven. And we're all queuing up at the doorway to learn about it rather than just going through the door. <laughs> I think there's something in that, right? But I've just been doing it with a book that I'm reading. This is why I'm bringing it up. I get halfway through a book and I'm like, oh, shit. I I, I can't, I believe everything this, this book's telling me. And it means that... I've been almost teaching people a load of stuff that I don't believe anymore. And I've got my way to come out and tell everyone, you know? And that happens to me all of the time, but it's about allowing myself that growth, allowing myself that that, that freedom to be, really.
4: Uh-huh. Thank you, Josh.
2: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen,
1: I heard, I heard that last bit more than anything about the <laughs> surrounded, surrounded by books, <laughs> reading about life, <laughs> reading about swimming rather than getting the pool. Um, and <laughs> um, in both of you guys, I heard, um, about protecting the heart to some capacity and, and again, reading recently, this idea that there's no such thing as negative thinking, every thought serves their purpose. And a lot of our negative voices are just trying to protect our hearts like don't you can't do that you know you can't lean in um my own uh introduction to this stuff was um just growing up never feeling like i fit in uh bullied a bit as a kid and just kind of carried that with me throughout my life and i always lacked self-esteem and self-confidence i never recognized that it came from yourself and so i always looked outside of myself and for the answers so Definitely, alcohol was a huge problem um, in my late teens and twenties. Um, just looking for, you know, a false sense of confidence. Um, I I then decided I was going to be successful. That was the the means of you know feeling good in my own skin. If enough people tell me I'm good, I'll believe it myself. Um, but I, f- I failed with my first business, and that really almost sent me off the edge. Um, I felt a huge amount of shame just in terms of the support that I had had by my parents get me through school. I wanted to drop out of school. They kept me there. Um, and I had a story about where I should be. I should be successful. I should have achieved. I should, um, you know, I should be somebody cause I never felt like I, I, I was somebody. And, and it was all from, you know, a lack of just a young man with ego who didn't believe in himself. Um, but then ultimately I started another business and there was huge success with that. So I wrote books and I, I did online courses and I lot's happened in a short period of time. Um, but I suppose to my surprise, it just magnified all my insecurities, just put a magnifying glass on everything I thought about myself. And I felt like more of an imposter than I'd ever felt. Like, why are people coming to seminars with me? Why are people saying nice things to me? Um, you know, externally, everything had changed. Internally, it was just magnified. And uh, I found myself at a, a psychiatrist chair at 28, having achieved everything, bought the house, bought the car, you know, built the business. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Um, you know, when I was sad before, I had a reason to be sad. You know, I was depressed. I, I, I didn't have anything. I couldn't pay the rent. Now I have everything. I shouldn't be sad. And again, that shame that, like, I shouldn't. Um, I was just fighting with reality. And I suppose looking back, it's obvious to see for me now that I was always trying to outrun my feelings, always trying to suppress or hide or, or avoid my feelings. And um, kind of like what you guys have said, it, it's only through looking into the darkness and, and sort of seeing um, the purpose of every feeling that I've I've started to heal. Um, you know, looking at the parts of myself that I I've you know struggled to make peace with, and um, just you know, all these words that a couple of years ago I thought were fluffy and I thought were for hippies, you know, talking about compassion and kindness. And I said, no, just hustle, (laughs) you know, achieve the next goal. The happiness must be around the next corner, you know, even though it hasn't been around the last hundred. Um, so I think it was that old cliche of I looked at, I looked everywhere outside of myself and, and then it was time to come home. And, um, yeah, it's a, it's a journey of ups and downs and everything in between, but it's, um, journaling meditation talking in groups all this stuff is really just you know i always feel that if i have to be positive and happy all the time to like myself i'm rolling the dice every day and um, so i'd rather kind of make peace with as much of myself as i can so that it's um yeah i need to be my own best friend so that's kind of the work and that's what i'm trying to do
4: oh thank
3: you pat thank you Really beautiful guys um Wow, I don't feel like I've ever been so ready to kind of share you know, my story. I'm always, I'm always sharing it, but you know, having listened to you guys, I just feel so ready to, 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 to take ownership more, a bit more than ever. Um, uh, the truth is I, di- I didn't know I was going on a journey at all and I didn't want to go on a journey. I had no interest, I didn't want to change. I wanted to change one bit of me, uh, one part, and that was a, a physical challenge I had around sex. Um, uh since the first time I, I was had sex at eighteen, um, i um struggled to orgasm and um it was kind of you know, it was lab points through my twenties, you know, I was I was kind of the the whatever I could I had staying power, put it that way, you know. And um I remember the, the guys at uni calling it a gift. Um most men talk about the opposite problem. And uh it was kind of a laugh through my twenties. Then I, I got to the age of thirty and I was like, Do you know what? This this isn't serving me anymore. You know, I want to have kids at some point and um, I want to be in sexually fulfilling relationships. I want to do something about this. And and I think when you open your heart and your mind to something, you know, the, the universe presents opportunities. And I lived with a friend of mine who was a professional rugby player and uh, he was working with a hypnotherapist to help him get over an injury. And, uh, you know, I kind of laughed at it at the beginning um, and then got to a point where I was like, well, hang on, if he's doing that, have I got an injury? Can I, can I, change mine in the way that he's addressing his? And I guess one of my first sort of notable acts of what I call vulnerability is sitting down with with this hypnotherapist and saying, "Listen, I know you're helping Ollie this way, but um, I've got a challenge, and uh, can I talk to you about that?" And 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 sort of saying it out loud, and you know her just listening and going, "Yeah, I can help." And um, if she said to me at that point, then I'm gonna reconnect you to your heart i'm going to teach you to feel your emotions um you're going to go on a journey of self-discovery and become who you were born to do born to be Then i'd have gone nah you're right thanks i just want to talk out my issue around sex you know that's that sounds great for for, for someone but not me you know um but thank you and I. but she didn't thank god she she said you know i can help you and sat in this space of thinking i was going to become some kind of sex guru and i was going to learn all these new tricks and that was going to change, but nothing else. Um, so I trusted her and, and went on this journey. And, and um, we did some cool stuff and some interesting stuff. And I remember early, de- early days in the, in the journey, I, I sent a, uh, some flowers and a, and, a, and a letter to my mum telling her I loved her, um, which was unusual for me. It's something I always wanted to do. I always knew I loved her in my heart, but my, my ego said, that's not the man that I should be. I shouldn't share that. Um so I was kind of like, mm, you know, this is. there's part of me that's really happy. I've just told my mum this and it makes me feel alive. And there's also obviously another part of me that was really challenged and questioning what everyone would think of me, what my friends think or the, my brothers think. You know, this is a real question of my identity now. But I clung on to that bit of me that said, no, no, this is good. It's like there is a bit of relief that you've done that. Um, so I kind of just kept going on the journey and kept thinking, this stuff is interesting, but when are we getting to the sex bit? When are we getting to the sex bit? Um, and we never did. We never did. We just kept, she kept just unlocking the truth inside of me. Um, and I think it, we probably just got to this point where I realised, you know, that this is all tied in. Everything, my body is is talking to me. And all this work that I'm doing is the unlocking of, of the, the the deeper. This is the deeper healing that I need to do. Um, and I got to that point of emotional maturity, I guess, where I trusted in, in the work. And from that point, that was my journey now. Um, nine years on, and and I still haven't found that the, the, the unlocking of the, of the challenges I have around sex are still prevalent. Um, but I believe I've, I've opened the doors. I've learned a lot. I've given myself the opportunity, but um, there's more work for me to do. Um, so... You know, I've really done this, this circle, and where, you know, I've written letters, Dear Retarded Ejaculation, <laughs> which is this horrific name that it's, it's got. But, you know, thanking it for, for, for showing up in my life, for taking me on this journey, because without it, who knows, I can't say, but without it, I could still have been a, a lost man who was searching, um, craving success, chasing, thinking ambition was healthy for me thinking I always needed more, chasing, chasing, hustling, um, and never feeling complete. And now I feel, of course, the journey ever never ends, but I feel it's possible that I can experience fulfillment internally, um, all because of, of my body speaking to me and me having the bravery to listen to my challenge, not denying it and not suppressing it and not running from it or escaping from it, but listening. Um, so... Yeah, you know, I, I, I just have, um, I've lived two lives, really, I think, probably like like all of us here, you know, a, a life of, for me, a life in my head, listening to the voices, and, and now a life that tries to be more attached to my heart, the truth inside of me. Um, and I know, I know which route I choose, I know which one feels better, I know what makes me feel more alive. And it 's become my purpose and my and my my mission to try and represent that and try and allow others to relate or to go on that journey too um, and that just kind of brings it all home for me that i don 't know all this work is so worthwhile, and i 'm so grateful for the challenges and i 'm so grateful for the journey that i 've been on so there we go um. I hope you can you can understand why I said it was powerful now you know sitting in that that space with those guys sharing their raw truth you know and owning it so deeply there's no shame they've done so much of the work released so much of the the shame that they held around any struggles you know none of us are angels none of us are angels in our past we've all been we've all made mistakes we've all had struggles I think the thing is is whether we choose to listen to them or define ourselves by those things and hope you get the sense that all of us every single one of us have got a past and um, uh, these guys I hope inspired you to know that anything is possible in the future Uh, I certainly felt that and I I, it's something that I truly believe I love the phrase every saint has a past and every sinner has a future I think that's really applicable as you can hear from these guys I'd say they're three saints but you know it wasn't always that way it wasn't always that way so Thank you for listening. I hope it inspired you. I hope you're hearing the, the, the raw truth that came out from the guys. I hope it gives you more freedom to, to tap into your own truth, to listening to who you are, and what's inside of you, and to own your story, to own, own your adventure, to see where it can take you. If you've enjoyed what you've listened to in the first two and want to hear more from these guys, then we'll be back with with more of that next week in the meantime any support any love any kindness any subscribing any comments any five-star ratings or whatever you feel is right for, for the rating for this podcast is really welcome we just want to get the message out there we want men to be able to talk and share and for people to own their truth and for people to have hope in their future so if you think that's going to help then please feel free to share and support in any way that you'd like to but most of all i'm just grateful for you listening i'm really grateful so thank you